my name is Lisa Moore. I am the Vice President of Advanced Health Education Center and I've been a radiographer for ever, <laughs> for more than 30 years. Um, I specialize in all types of radiography, of quality management and bone densitometry, which is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to discuss Bone Densitometry 101. This course is designed to give you the reason why we do bone densitometry. And then I also have a Bone Densitometry 201 course um, that is a webinar that you can take also that talks about the analyzing and actual taking the scans during the bone densitometry. So this is the why and that is the miniature, this is the miniature version of why and the, that it, 201 is like a small version of how. Uh, it's so much fun, I love it. I'm really passionate about bone densitometry. So let's get started. The there's a lot of myths about osteoporosis that people have, um, have come up against throughout time. The first one being osteoporosis is an inevitable part of aging, so who cares? Well, today we know a lot more about how you can protect your bones throughout your life by eating healthy, exercising, and making healthy lifestyle choices. Um, so it's not necessarily uh, the truth anymore. You know, your bones are designed to last for a certain number of years, depending on how large they are, but there's no reason why someone could not, if they did not have um, a congenital condition or a uh, or were, or hereditary, uh, excuse me, condition, that they would not be able to last 100 years, which is pretty much our lifetime. Um, only older women get osteoporosis. Well, that's not true either. 20% of people with osteoporosis are male, so that's one in every five people who have osteoporosis are men. Um, approximately one in two women and one in four men over the age of 50 will break a bone because of osteoporosis in their lifetime. Uh, a woman's risk, of course, of breaking a hip is equal to her combined risk of breast, uterine, and ovarian cancer together. That always blows people away because there's a lot of activism, and it sh there should be, for um, breast cancer, uterine cancer, and ovarian cancer, but you're, you actually have a higher risk if you combine all those risks together to break your hip um, during your lifetime. So, for women, anyway. Um, only Caucasian women get osteoporosis. Well, that's a myth also. All ethnicities have a high risk for osteoporosis. Um, that or have a risk, maybe not a high as, as high of a risk as others, but all have a risk. So Caucasian, the lighter the skin, the, the more likely that your bones are smaller and thinner. Um, based off of that ethnicity rule, um, Caucasian, Asian women will be more likely to get osteoporosis, but I've had patients in every ethnicity um, and some you would never imagine that were professional athletes that were, for example, African-American and had osteoporosis or Hispanic. So it's not only Caucasian women and not only women. Um, another myth is osteoporosis is not very common. 10 million Americans are estimated to have osteoporosis. 34 million have low bone mass, which we call osteopenia, means low bone. 
85% of adult bone mass is acquired by the time a person is, or a woman, for example, is 18. And in boys, by the time they're, or men, 20 years old, 85%. So you're almost completely have the highest amount of bone you'll ever have in your life, bone cells wise, if you added them all up by the age of 18 or 20. Now, there's an estimated age of about 27 to 30 when you have your what we call peak bone mass, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Another myth is osteoporosis is not a serious or deadly condition. 24% of people with hip fractures age 50 or older die in the year following the fracture. So it's a, basically a fourth of all people who have a hip fracture die in the first year after the fracture. So it is serious, it is deadly, and it's very expensive. Another myth is the medical costs from osteoporosis are not high. Uh, 25 billion is the estimated annual cost of osteoporosis-related fractures by the year 2025. Now what's causing that spike and that rise? The baby boomer generation is reaching retire, well some is already some are already in retirement, and even the youngest ones born in 1964 will be in retirement sometime around there. So you're talking um, the entire baby boomer population over 65. Almost. Quite, not quite, but almost. Uh, if you had osteoporosis, you would know it. That's a huge myth. Um, osteoporosis is asymptomatic, usually, unless you break a bone. Um, or a person has a DEXA procedure and then they find out they have it. When people say, I think I have osteoporosis because my hip hurts, is, you know, I, I hurt there. Well, what, there is definitely um, a real relationship with arthritis and osteoporosis, but arthritis is what hurts, swelling, um, would cause pain. Osteoporosis, the thinning of bones until it fractures does not generally cause pain. So people don't know they have it and they're usually very surprised when they find out. Today there are other therapeutic medications, more uh, every couple of years they come out with something new, that reduces bone resorption and even some that build new bone. So we know already that exercise improves bone health and we know that adequate intakes of calcium and vitamin D are necessary for good bone health. So there are ways to prevent osteoporosis other than, you know, if you're in that case where it's hereditary. So let's, let's look at the skeleton and what osteoporosis really is. Well, our function of our skeleton has always been the same since you were in x-ray school, um, to support and protect your body for movement, it, it hosts the hemopoietic factory, which is your red blood cells and your white blood cells, and it's a storage facility for calcium. It's a wonderful facility for calcium that you need throughout your life and throughout your day. I'll give you some examples in a bit. Bone composition wise, this is a blown up image of intact trabecular bone. Um, and you can see it's a matrix. It's a crazy, like fingerprints. It's all different for every person, and there's like little holes and rooms. And you can see though where pieces of bone within here 
can wear down in certain areas or disconnect in certain areas because of bone loss and no rebuilding in those locations. The matrix is made up of osteocytes, those are bone cells, uh, calcium salts, and collagen. So go a little further. The, the part that, that helps us with strength and flexibility um, is our in our bone composition is 65 is because it's made up of 65% mineral salts for strength and 35% protein for strength and flexibility. So 65% calcium and phosphate and 35% collagen protein. Each bone cell, um, there's different types. There's three major different types. Osteoblasts with the B um, that help build bone. Bob the builders, you'll always joke about when I say osteoblasts because they build. Osteoblasts build new bone. Osteoclasts resorb old bone. And osteocytes for cell maintenance come in and bring in the nutrients for the bone growth, for the building and the resorbing. The human skeleton has approximately 206 bones unless you have extra, you know, an extra rib and extra vertebra or extra sesamoid bones, but approximately 206 in every person. They're united by ligaments and they have two major divisions, your axial and your appendicular skeleton. And those are important because when we're doing bone densitometry, it's important that we're reviewing what the general um, and the specific type of bone in different regions is uh, in, as far as how the bone is, is either losing or is okay. <laughs> so we're trying to, to, to diagnose whether the person has osteoporosis based off of, and, and if they do, what might be the cause based off the location of the bone or the type of bone that it is, which you'll understand more in a minute. So the axial and appendicular skeleton, if you remember from x-ray school what they would make up, the axial skeleton is made up of your skull, your entire spine, but not your sacrum and cossix, just all the way down to L5 or 6 if you have one, and your ribs, your whole entire rib cage, sternum, but not your shoulders and not your clavicles. So skull, spine, ribs. Your appendicular skeleton is made up of your entire shoulder girdle all the way down to the tips of your fingers, the entire hip girdle all the way down to the tips of your toes. So I always find that interesting that the entire hip falls under appendicular, you know. It seems like an appendice, but it, it's, uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like an appendice. It seems so part of the norm, but it's, it's an appendice for this. It's appendicular. The skeleton, the entire skeleton, your entire body, all of your long bones um, have parts to them that make up um, for the different functions that are needed. So the body or shaft is called the diaphysis. It's the long part of the bone. It helps bear the weight. And the outside of it is, and the majority of it, except for a little narrow cavity down the middle, is compact bone. The medullary cavity, the inside on the middle, is a little less thick and um, is made up of spongy bone. It's where the marrow is housed. The ends of the long bones, as you can see here, are made up of majority of or a thin layer of cortical bone on the outside and then spongy bone, which is also called cal 
can't, I'm sorry, I'm saying it wrong, cancellous bone on the inside, spongy cancellous, okay, um, or trabecular. There's three words for spongy bone. Compact bone on the outside, which is another also called cortical bone, um, and trabecular is spongy, cancellous, or, or uh, trabecular. And those are the ends of the long bones. So even your ribs have some cortical on the outside. They're mostly cortical, but they also have a thin layer of trabecular bone down the middle. Cortical bone is compact bone also. there's It's the shell or the outside. Yes, that is a bone tumor in the image, but I just like that image. Um, it, cortical bone and the compact uh, bone, which are the same thing, support your weight, but it also allows for flexibility. So if you fall on your arm and you catch yourself, if you could do a slow motion you know, video of yourself catching yourself, your arm would go down and you could see it bend a little and then pop back. But of course, you know, we don't want to do that because we don't want to break, but that's um, perfectly well what it does. Kind of like a slow motion image of a flower that you see on TV growing. It, it bends. It's flexible uh, if you're healthy. It also helps with protection because it's hard and it's, it's tougher. So it's less likely to fracture than uh, if it were softer. So cortical is harder, compact. The holes in the bone are closer together. Uh, it's 80% of your body is made up of cortical and compact bones. So the majority uh, of your body is made up of, of cortical or compact bone. But within that cortical or compact bone, 20%, so one-fifth of your bone metabolism is happening. So there's a little metabolism in cortical bone, one-fifth, but it makes up the majority of your bone structure. The other type of bone, spongy, trabecular, cancellous, whichever name you decide to go by, serves as a metabolic factory for calcium and for blood production. That bone, uh, that part of the bone adds strength without adding weight to the end of all your long bones. It's in your the middle of all your vertebra. This bone uh, is very, oh, you, obviously it doesn't have giant holes in it, but if you looked at it under a microscope, the holes in it would be bigger than they would for cortical bone. So it adds, it lifts the weight off of you uh, to help you carry your body around. If you had to carry around all the bone that you had and it was all cortical, you wouldn't be able to move. So um, trabecular bone is helpful in that way. The opposite is true though of trabecular bone than cortical bone in that it only makes up 20% of your skeletal mass, one-fifth. Um, cortical bone made up four-fifths. This makes up one-fifth of all your bone. But 80%, four-fifths of the metabolism that's going on in your body and your bones is happening with trabecular bone or spongy bone or cancellous bone, whichever one of the three you want to call it. So it's got 80% of the metabolism, but it makes up a lot less of your body, only one-fifth. How'd you like that lesson back to X-ray 101? <laughs> so what do we see in the skeleton? In the skeleton, what are we looking at? In a bone densitometry exam, we're looking for the area where we can see the greatest amount unobstructed of 
of cortical bone and the greatest amount of trabecular bone because bone loss in those areas is caused by different things. And so in the skeleton, in the vertebral column, lumbar vertebra one, two, three, four uh, is where we measure for bone densitometry, just to give you a little cheat. Um, we don't measure lumbar vertebra five for the obvious reason that the, after a certain age, that fifth vertebra has just taken a beating and is not its full size without having been crushed on most older adults. So five is out. We measure one, two, three, four. Um, and so why do we measure lumbar vertebra? Well, when you're doing bone densitometry, and I'll talk about this toward the end uh, of this lecture, you're measuring bone and subtracting out fat. And so in order to do that, you have to have fat. So we need an unobstructed area where there's fat, or and when I say fat, I mean tissue, on either side of the bones. You could use fat or tissue synonymously. So you have to have tissue on either side. Well, if you come up here to the thoracic spine, which also has um, vertebra with that are a little bit smaller, but you could still do bone density. <laughs> that word was tough. Um, you could still do bone densitometry on it if it weren't for the fact that it's covered by the sternum and that on either side there are ribs. So you don't have that fat tissue. You have an impossible time getting all those ribs all the way. And then the cervical vertebra are too small. So we do lumbar vertebra to find. Uh, to find a decent big size of trabecular bone. Because in those lumbar vertebra one, two, three, four, they're made up 66% trabecular and only 34% cortical. So they're mostly trabecular, and that's a good place to look. And having the larger bones in your body and being able to look at them is, is a lot more uh, clinically accurate. Did you enjoy this podcast? The remainder of this course is available via our famous webinar program. To view our course schedule, just visit us online at www.aheconline.com or give us a call at 1-800-239-1361. See you soon.